Hello, family. Welcome back to Love and Grit. I'm Laia. I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. And OMG, do we have an episode for you today. We have two women on the show that are going to motivate and inspire the most out of you. Our first guest continues to motivate, inspire, and create wonder around her mission to turn French toast into an industry. Her name is Cherise McGill. Our second guest, Tina Dixon-Spence, known for her boutique Buddha Babe, incites similar emotions through her journey of turning our baby's needs into beautiful, stylish products by the way of thoughtful sourcing while also providing her community with some much-needed resources. But first, a lightning round of Philly faves. Justin, what are we doing today? What is your favorite shopping district in Philly? Rachel, you go first. Always. Hey, always, right? Okay, I'm going to say Montgomery County area, King of Prussia. You have the King of Prussia Mall, King of Prussia Town Center, the biggest shopping square footage in America. And I just love King of Prussia Mall. I love it too. Plus they have that whole middle class and upper class section. I love that. It's like, depending on your your paycheck. You can always always walk through. I like to just walk through. Yes. Also, the food courts and the rich people there. Yes. Yes, Justin. You're so silly. Listen, I, I, I can buy stuff at the food court. Look, I love that no matter what you need, you can find it. And it could be a whole day or just an hour, depending, yeah. you know. It's very you true. Like you. All right. I'm going to pick downtown, but two very specific areas for two different, very specific reasons. Around 18th and Walnut for my new drip. Also, because that's where my anthropology and my urban outfitters live. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And then I'm picking South Street lower numbers for my consignment vintage drip because that's where retrospect and some other really dope consignment stores are. I love that we both got away with really having two places that we did. I'm so I'm so surprised he didn't call us out. Go, Justin. Sorry. I only have one. <laughs> Old City. Because there's great boutiques in Old City. So there's a lot of different eclectic things. And there's a lot of fun places that are popping up where people are combining their goods. So it's like you can get a lot of Philly stuff in one place. I love that. Second and third and around market. That's what some good boutiques Mm -hmm. are. Yeah, yep. I'm telling you guys, it's time for our road trip like any minute because we have a lot of things to fit. Oh, that's a good question. I, I will, want, as long as y'all don't mind some cussing and some road rage. I want to be the backseat driver. I no, like want to. I don't do backseat drivers. <laughs> we should no, probably my, just start this show. But wait, my definition of backseat driving was going to be: I get to like lean to the front and be like, "Oh, guys, what do you think?" Blah blah blah. Not that would be ha- cute, like you hanging in between. Yeah, us. not me criticizing how you drive. Like I would never criticize you. I believe you. <laughs> Justin's right. Let's get this show started. So, are you ready to inspire that leap that you've been wanting to take? When Cherise McGill was told how delicious her French toast is, she was inspired to color outside the lines to create the business surrounding her tasty treats. With help from her farmer's market expertise and inspiration from her daughter, local artisan foods was born. And so was Cherise's road toward trailblazing. First black woman to own and operate a food establishment in Spruce Street Harbor Park, check. First black woman in the state of Pennsylvania to have her own craft beer, check and she's just getting started how long have you been doing this now since 2018 so a couple of years ago i have a friend who's good to sniff out the new stuff in the city mm-hmm. and was like you have to try these french toast bites and i'm like what are you talking about french toast bites? <laughs> so he made us start following you on instagram oh sweet what a journey it's been to watch and amazing to watch 
Oh, thank you so much. It's, it's been quite the ride. You just go with it. You know, I took a leap of faith from being the director of special events at Valley Forge Military College. Great job. I loved it. But I just knew I could be doing something more. Wait a minute. Can we talk a little bit about your background, though? It seems like you mm-hmm. have to know how to present food, how to promote <laughs> food. Like, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that's a special skill set that I don't think people would ever really consider if you're not in the food industry yourself? Oh, sure. From like 2012, 13 to 2019, I managed the Lansdale Farmer's Market. That presented a unique opportunity to work closely with independent food producers. And the ones that were doing it right, they were earning six figures. So I'm like, hold up. I think I'm on the wrong side of this tent. So over the years, I've seen businesses start at farmer's markets and end up in Whole Foods, start at farmer's markets and end up in Walmart. So I'm like, I have to take this seriously. So I have a daughter. She's 15 now, but she was 12 at the time. She had a lemonade stand in that same farmer's market. She made $5,000 in 14 Saturdays, like 14 weeks. Okay. I'm used to lemonade stands where you see a poster. What was special? Wait, was it an adult lemonade? Like, wait. No, that was my daughter. She was only 12. <laughs> was it the corner she was at? Like, how did we get it there? Like, how did no. she? So she was the youngest vendor. And I mm. told her lemons aren't local. So how are you going to make it local? And she said, I'll just use the fruit from the farmers. And that's what she did. So she, yeah. was, she started off with mint, fresh mint. So she would go to the farmers, buy their mint. And then as the season went on, it may be peach lemonade the next week. Ooh. It may be grape. We even did something with grapes. It was delicious. So the farmers ended Ooh. up either giving her what they call seconds, the fruit that's overripe and they can't sell it. So Friday nights, we would make the lemonade and then she would infuse it for two hours before the customer started to come with whatever <gasps> oh, fruit set. So it was like brain. something different every week. Did she have like a uh, special name for her lemonade or? It was just local lemonade because okay. it was so much controversy that she was in the farmer's market because lemons aren't local. And the rule is your primary product has to be locally sourced. And as we know, lemons don't grow in Pennsylvania. Wait a minute. They tried to give baby girl a hard time. <laughs> That's the rule in this town for farmer's markets in general. But she connected though. She learned a lot she about connected. being connected to the right yeah. people. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, my mind is blown because I'm like, not only is she connected, but she did everything before you started doing your thing. The $5,000. What did you teach her to do with that? The farmer's market is a different group of people. So you have to really speak to their value sets. So you got to use like fresh, handmade, not homemade because that raises flags, locally Ooh. sourced. So things like that, those kind of key terms that speak to people. Those buzzwords. She kind of uh-huh. learned it. Because she grew up in the farmer's market. I managed it for seven years. She used to slip manure for farmers for change, you know, I love it. a little girl. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I got jealous again. I'm like, why? Everybody's making more money than me. I'm the manager. So I went back to school in January 2018 to St. Joe's to get the MBA in food marketing. Oh, and that was I had to take it seriously. I had to understand the open air food market economy. I had to understand local economies and like just being outside as a business model because I've seen it work, you know, I've, I, as close as my daughter. So I'm like, there's something to this. So I just wanted to get a little more education. I had the practical stuff, but I wanted to get the theoretical stuff behind it also. French toast, though. Yes. How did you get to French toast? Yes. Do you want the politically correct answer? No. Or like no. The real answer? I want no. the Philly answer. We want the love and grit answer. Yes, the love and grit answer, <laughs> yes. Most of my friends are stoners. So they would say, Sharice, make that French toast. I'm like, what French toast? You know that French toast you make? I'm like, okay. I'll make it. And it's like, you should sell this. This is good, sis. You should sell it. (laughs) No one else sells French toast. Nobody. Your batter tends to be closer to a yellow color or a white color. Uh, Closer to a pale yellow because we deep fry our French toast. I don't know if you know that. We don't do it on the stove. We deep fry it and drizzle it with our spice. 
a lot of people make this mistake when they make their French toast, they put the eggs and milk in the bowl and then they start putting the cinnamon and sugar and vanilla in the bowl. What happens is sugar goes all the way to the bottom, the bottom. And, then, and the cinnamon does this weird plateau thing at the top. It's just yeah. weird. So a lot of people end up having super eggy French toast because they're trying to get all of that. They're trying they to dunk. Get them. They dunk. Yes, they're doing the most. So all you have to do is spat it a little bit and then season it when it's in the pan. It adheres better. You don't have to try to fight for it in the eggs. Mind blown. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Oh my God. I'm going to go back right. to a couple of years ago when I was first introduced to you. Mm. And I was like, it just doesn't make sense. They can't be that good. You know, right, right. <laughs> but they're amazing. And then to watch I'm you go you on and them. grow the brand with the beer. That was a fun project that came during COVID. So me being at Sprucey Hopper Park made me the first black woman to own and operate a mm. food establishment on Penn's Landing in its, at the time, six year existence. And that was right after the social uprisings. The country was turned upside down and inside out. You guys know this already. Mm-hmm. So it made headlines that the Waterfront Corporation placed me here. It gained the attraction of a guy named Joe from Doylestown Brewing Company. I ain't never even been to Doylestown before. <laughs> but he slid in my DM and said, yes. I would like to partner on a beer with you using your French toast spice. I was like, let's do it. So I drove up to Doylestown with my spice in hand, my bites in hand. He tasted it. He said, oh, yeah. I know the flavor notes. We can make a beer. And about eight weeks later, we had a beer. I was very what? involved in the process. It was great. What was like <laughs> your favorite part of the whole process and learning when it came to the beer? You know, oh, was learning it how to-, to make it. It's like one big pot of oatmeal. Wow. It's a hot, sweaty process. It's not cute. It's not, <laughs> don't get your hair done. All the curls going to drop. <laughs> it's a hot process. And I learned a lot of patience. You know, everything we do is quick, 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 quick. And beer takes a long time. I was going to add to all the people listening that you should know that Sharice is the first Black woman to have a beer like this in the state. This is yeah. kind of phenomenal. So that was uh, Doylestown Brewing Company. We made the first batch. He thought he made enough for a month and it sold out in a week. He ran it back. We sold out in a day. That's when Yards kind of stepped in. And now we're in 102 different places. Would you be where you are right now without social media? As much as it seems like I'm in the food business, I'm really in the people business. We just happen to serve food. So word of mouth was the first marketing. But it makes it easier because the product itself is highly Instagrammable. And we yeah. have a saying here, like the camera eats first, like the checks come in local artisan foods, but the people see French toast bites. And that's all that really matters. And I think coming to this game with a $10,000 marketing budget, I relied on our customers to take pictures and upload it. Sharice, is it. there a mentor program that you are a part wait, of? Wait, I didn't um, know it was inappropriate for me to ask. How do I start selling lemonade with my little four-year-old son in front of the house? I'm so serious, though. Like, genuine. you are an education. You are a curriculum. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. It's fun. You know, I was a teacher. I taught in the public schools at Benjamin Franklin High School, hospitality and culinary arts for mm. a long time. Taught at Montgomery County in the Culinary Arts Institute, the business classes there. So and it's going back to school, just kind of all put it together. And I really feel like I'm truly living my purpose. We're intentional about our hiring practices. I'm committed to hiring youth age 16 to 24 from underserved communities and paying them at my lowest paid employee makes 35 percent more than minimum wage. So I just have those kind of commitments. But I learned that from teaching. I taught at Bucks County Community College and I taught in the city. The only difference between those two students is the access to opportunity. So if I can help be a vessel to get them closer, we're going to have a whole LinkedIn workshop with my staff because they help me live my dream. I have to help them get to theirs also. I love, love your energy. I love your entire you. vibe. You know, you say vibes don't lie, Rachel. Vibes Y'all. don't lie. You got something for everything. Yep. What's the grand plan? The grand plan? 
I mean, like anybody, you got to have an extra strategy. When I first started this, I always said I wanted to be the Auntie Anne's of French toast. And I meant that in every sense. You know, she started those pretzels in the Lancaster Farmer's Market. And now look at her. She's retired in suburban Philadelphia. Did not know that. a multimillionaire after she got bought out. So I'm okay with following every step that Auntie Anne <laughs> has done. Yo, can I just say, <laughs> I feel like in this moment, this is the reason we do Love and Grit. Like you are a reason. Yes. We have oh, to share so people much. like you with the world. Like, yes. I'm just so appreciative of you your contributions i'm hungry now too tell everybody where we can follow you oh you can follow me on instagram and facebook at local artists and foods as local with a k if you want to come taste the hot fresh made to order bites we're at cherry street pier and spruce street hover park on pins landing the beers all over the city and they sell it on pins landing also you can only have one liquor license so the, the waterfront corporation sells it for me across the street. So it works out this way. A lot of partnerships, you know, I really just had to partner and pivot my way through the pandemic. And Philly really came together. Like all my brands that I partner with are all local Philadelphia brands. Like the coffee is bean to bean. They're in Port Richmond, Yards. They're on Fifth and Spring Garden. Even with the Doylestown and the waterfront corporation was a huge plug. Go Puff, I, I partnered with. It's all local. You There's are love and grit. Literally yeah. all day. You're Thank everything you. we want to be about in Philadelphia. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's such a huge compliment. I feel honored that you guys said that. Thank you. So you're making me blush. <laughs> okay. Her's new fire potato chips and cheese curls. They are spicy. Whew. They're hottest snacks yet. Hold on. Whew. But you know, it's not just heat. There's some nice, sweet, and savory stuff going on too. Ooh, there's that heat again. It burns, but it burns so tasty. Ooh, that's hot. Find Hearst Fire Snacks at your store today. Ooh, taste the flavor, feel the heat, break out the Hearst. When Tina Dixon Spence had her second child, she realized she could not find a baby store that matched her son's burgeoning style. So instead of combing the internet and the streets, she created Buddha Babe, a Philadelphia-based luxury design studio focusing on accessories for babies, toddlers, and the home. However, this is not your average kid's store. Not only does Tina make a point to keep it Philly by employing local Mount Airy residents, she also offers community sewing classes and her venue for kids' parties. How old are your sons? 27 and seven. Okay, so I have a, a little boy. I'm a boy mom as well. And I know how hard it was when he was, he's four years old, when he was a baby, like finding cute boy clothes and really similar to you fitting that style. How the heck did you do it with your 27 year old? You created a product for your youngest. How were you able to navigate that with your older son? He's a 90s baby. And there, his style was very much influenced by the streets of Brooklyn. So yes. it was all Tommy Hilfiger. Ralph I knew you were going to say Tommy. Adidas sweatsuits, everything two sizes too big. <laughs> it was dope back then. Trust me. <laughs> Whenever it's his birthday and I post like throwback pics, he's like, mom, could you find anything in my size? That like, is I so funny. You look like just a miniature daddy. And I was like, oh yeah. A miniature daddy. <laughs> Your story's amazing that you couldn't find cute bibs and you're like, you know what? I'm going to grab the fabric. I'm going to buy a sewing machine. How long did it take to teach yourself? I want to say it took me a solid six months before okay. I figured out how to apply the snaps on the bibs so I could stop gluing on little Velcro squares. Okay. And then I remember being so proud of my product that I took it to a friend who's like this expert seamstress, like dressmaker. And I was like, look what I'm making. And I want to sell these. And she's like, honey, first you need to top stitch them. <laughs> 
And I said, well, what's a top stitch? (laughs) And she's like, you know, the stitch that goes around the edge of the bib on the top, make it look like a finished product. She said, because right now you have a sandwich. (laughs) And I said, oh, well, how do I do that? So I went back and I YouTubed it and I top stitch. And then I called her and I said, I think I got it, but I can't like, it's, it's a half inch wide on one side and like a quarter inch on the other side. How do I keep it even? She's like, you need a magnet. And I said, oh man, what a magnet. This is too complicated. Never mind, I give up. But then every time I wanted to take it to the next level of perfecting my product, which at that point was just the bib, I would just go down this rabbit hole of YouTube videos and buying scrap fabric on sale wherever I could find it and just practice, practice, practice. Wait, so we're amongst friends, including all of our listeners. Did you make baby boy wear the lopsided things that you made or wait? So I wish that I was in my office right now. I have a whole quilt on the wall. My office is segmented, half of it's mine. And then there's a partition and then he has his office because who knew what school was going to look like this year. And on his wall is a quilt made out of the first, I think, 40 bibs that I ever made. <laughs> that awesome. them proudly. And his teachers from daycare still love to post pictures that they took way back then of him and his bibs. Okay. Yeah. All right. And he doesn't care. He's so proud of them. He makes his own now and they're just as lopsided. Oh, oh that's so sweet. Mm-hmm. You host parties, like kids' parties as well. What does that look like in the yeah, store? How did you and get what... there from bibs? Yeah, I'm so <laughs> curious. So to answer Jasmine's question first, the, the bibs and then came burp cloths and teething rings and then like little cute gift sets. And then I got a purchase order from a stockist and Ambler, like the most popular kids' store in Ambler, started buying my bibs and I all of a sudden had this cult following, like all of her customers became my customers and it just kept growing and growing. And one day I went to go drop off an order for her and she was unpacking this like muslin blanket, but it was in a queen size. So I was like, I like the idea of being able to snuggle up with something that is just as comfortable as I'm putting my kid in. Right. I said, I need to like make a blanket that can be a mama size. And that's how the mama blankie was born. So I actually started with making the mama blankies so that I could market to the moms that were buying up all the bibs. And then they were like, well, now my kid keeps stealing it. So I was like, okay, well, let me make a crib size. And then it was, oh, but the crib size is dragging on the ground. The kid won't leave the house without it. So it's like on the ground in the stroller. Can you make something even smaller? So I cut that down again to a mini size. So now that's for the car seat and the stroller, the crib size is for the house and the mama size is for mommy's room or the couch. So that's how that all came about. And then, I don't know, I just wanted him to have cool pants. So I went to a sewing class in Mount Airy and learned how to use a serger, which was really scary. And it didn't take me long to figure out that I don't like making pants. I don't like serging. So then that was my first hire because I knew I wanted to sell these things, but I knew I didn't want to make them myself. So my first hire was someone who would operate the knits exclusively. And it worked out for us because I love making the bids and blankets. She wouldn't touch a blanket with a 10 foot pole because they're messy. And she loved working with knits and we just kind of grew it from there. I had been operating this business online exclusively and local pop-ups throughout the city and suburbs for six years. So when the world crashed in March of 2020, I had just rolled out my spring summer 20 collection. Mm -hmm. Half of it was unfinished, but I had already purchased all of the fabric. 
Mm. So when school shut down, when the world shut down, I was very optimistic that, you know, this was going to be 14 days like they told us. So I was like, well, I want my kid to go back to school and they're not talking about masks for kids, but if they want us to wear masks, then maybe the kids should be wearing masks too. So I was like, if I'm going to sell masks or make masks, I'm going to make them for kids. And I'm going to use this fabric that I don't think people are going to be buying outfits because if we're going to be stuck in the house, who needs an outfit? So I just really quickly pivoted. I did like a test run with my Facebook friends and family. Within a day and a half, I had like 750 orders just from friends and family. But I didn't want to feel like I was being opportunistic because at that point it was like, we're all still stuck in the house. Um, We're just talking about this mask thing. And then there was the conflict. Should you be wearing them? Should you be keeping them for, you know, health people? There was just all this conflict. So I said, Mm. well, if I'm going to make them and sell them, I want to actually have a philanthropic leg attached to it. So I was like, well, let me find somebody that I can donate masks to. And the first thing that came to mind was the school district of Philadelphia, but they were closed. So I was like, where else? So I asked Baron, my son, if we were going to donate masks, where should we donate them? And he, at the time, had just finished doing some light therapy treatments at CHOP at the Burger Center. And he said, mom, he said, well, what about CHOP? And I said, CHOP? Why would the mask need to be in the house? He said, because every time we go, there's always kids coughing all over the place and they're never coughing into their elbows. So maybe we could just leave a basket of masks at the counter where we get our pictures taken. And I said, hmm, okay. Out of the mouth of babes. I I love it. This is the theme of this episode. You're you're our second guest whose kid is the one that got them thinking different. Yeah. I had a friend who was a friend of a friend and they made the connection with the powers that be at CHOP and we just started... For every mask that we sold, we donated one. I got my fabric distributor to donate a bunch of fabric specifically for the CHOP donations. It was phenomenal how that took off. And now that you got masks on the kids, you can get them together. (laughs) Right. So that's when I started to think about what's the next level for Buddha Babe. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I've always wanted a cute little boutique, but I'm smart enough to know that a cute little boutique will quickly kill your business. So what else can we do in said boutique? Well, it needs to be a mixture of production space because we still do make all of our own products. We're not outsourcing. We're not shipping material off and then having them make it and then send it back to us. So it can be a maker space because people really love demonstration sales. Think about like when you go down Mm -hmm. the shore and you're on the boardwalk, you love to watch the fudge being made. Right. So if people could see things being made and then there's cute little boutique. But then what else can we do when things aren't being made? And we have these machines and these tables and this space. Well, we can do workshops. Everybody loves a sip and sew or like a BYOB type painting with a twist, but let's do it with fabric and make tote bags or wine totes or caftans or whatever. This excited me, by the way. This is my highlight when you talk about this part because <laughs> I'm so, yes, go in. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that that could be cool for the adults in the community when they're ready to safely gather. But then what about the kids? Oh, after school program, after school sewing club, birthday parties. I love a birthday party when they tell me to just drop my kid off and go get lost for two hours. (laughs) And since we don't have the space for parents and kids, I was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to partner with Evo Pizza up the street and we're going to partner with Crossfit Fox Cake Shop for the cupcakes. And we're going to do the decor because, of course, I still want it to be on brand. And literally all the birthday kid has to do is pick the project that they want their friends to work on. And we're even going to provide the treat bags. So you just bring the kids and the treats that you want them to get. We've got the food covered. We've got the decor covered. 
and we have an expert instructor who specializes in elementary art education. Oh my and God. She's going to guide them through the project. Okay. And it's a blast. You got to no, Well, that's what I, well, there's two things. I'm selfish. One, I was like, <laughs> what's the minimum age? Because my little one is very active. Right. So I'm like, what happens when you got the wild child? And if the parents aren't there, how do they? Right. Yeah. So the instructor has a handle on working with school-age children. And then there's also a helper. There's an assistant or a party hostess because the way that the tables are lined up on opposite sides of the room, if the instructor is working one-on-one on the right side, we don't want the three kids at the machines on the left going unattended, right? Mm-hmm. We did a trial party where it was just my friend's kids and they all knew each other and they were okay. varying ages, but we did it like mostly for photography purposes. So there were boys and girls ages five to 11. And what we found was the kids were more distracted because the parents were in the space. So once I made my friends go out of the space, the kids then automatically, they're in school. Like you ever talk to your kid's teacher and be like, how do you not have these same issues at school? Because they're, because they're following the group. They're exactly. going along. As long as mom or dad's not around, they're going to follow the rules. This is a, I was trying to think of the, the reality show. Project, Project One Way. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Where it's like, you never know what your little boy is going to grow up to be. Listen, Baron was creating his own Spider-Man yes. two years ago with Project Runway season 17 contestant Renee Hill Islam. Wow. Um, Name dropper. We actually are working on a collaboration together um, for her Harks 4. And we're trying to bring it down to a minute. You heard it here first on Love and Grit. Yes. There you go. <laughs> but also know that we have multiple Project Runway winners in Philadelphia. Yeah, we're making yeah. it happen. Real quick, I'm curious what parents should look for when it comes to the contents of the kids' clothes. I know that's important, right? When you were looking for things and you were like, that's not safe. It's a bib. It goes in your mouth. So right. I'm just curious. Yeah. So a lot of times people don't think about the components of a bib, right? So the bibs mm-hmm. that are widely on the market, they're vinyl backed. Would you put? Would you advise your kid chewing on a vinyl chair? No, no, right? (laughs) They're terry cloth on the top, which means if food falls on them, it's going to get hard and crusty, which Mm -hmm. is nasty. And then also the vinyl, when they drool and it gets trapped between the vinyl and the skin. It's the rash. It's the rash. The rash that's coming from the trapped moisture plus the bacteria. bacteria. So when I was researching my textiles, I knew that I needed all organic mix of things. But what I found was that the organic cotton alone was not absorbent enough to make it effective against roll. So then I found this amazing company right in Ben Salem. It's a textile company and they make a bamboo fleece lining. The bamboo fleece is organic. It absorbs the drool. It has a wicking, a moisture wicking component to it. So it's just like any of your workout clothes where, you know, the clothes get wet, your skin stays dry. So I'm ready to buy gifts. I want to find the store. How do I follow you? You follow me on Instagram at, at my Buddha babe. You can find me on Facebook, Buddha bibs, and you can come visit me at 7101 Emlyn street. Dude, you're in the best location. The shop is so cute. So Mount Airy, right? That's uh-huh. Mount Airy. Our website is buddhababe.us. What's your reach dream for Buddha babe? If I want to keep it real, I took Baron to the Four Seasons for his birthday two years ago. Mm. And I mentioned in the reservation that I was celebrating my son's birthday and that he was six. And when we got to our room, they had the coloring book. They had a little minion stuffy. So I walked away from that saying, okay, there's a level of appropriate product placement that could happen here. I would love to 
provide the concierge services of most of our hotels. If the customer or the guest is requesting a roll away crib, you know they've got a baby with them, right? So you give them a bib and a swaddle. If you know that they are a very well-traveled or frequent flyer or whatever, you give them a basket that's a little larger with a bib, a swaddle, and a mini blanket, but only with my two Philadelphia-themed prints. So the Skyline that I have in black and white. Also, my print that's called Philly Love, which has all the icons on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that one. You know, it's not being on a big box shelf. It's not being on Shark Tank. What I want is a replica of what I have in West Mount Airy in every section of the city because I I want everything to remain community-based. Would I like to enlarge my retail footprint? Sure, who wouldn't? But if I enlarge the retail footprint, that means I have to also displace the production. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever want to lose that demonstration sales component. I don't want production happening in a warehouse or a factory. Even if it is my still my employees, I still want my customers to be able to see their things being made. Yes, I hope y'all are motivated. I know I am. You can follow us on Instagram at lovegritphilly. And of course, tell your friends about us. And we'd appreciate it if you rate and review us wherever you listen to us. <laughs> <laughs>